Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. In other words, we're still struggling, we're still stumbling, we're still confined by the temporaries and by the mortals and by the carnage of this flesh. It hasn't yet appeared, man, what we're going to be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he himself is pure. you have that hope in you? When you consider the wretchedness of humanity, it is clear that no one deserves mercy from a holy God. So when you also think about the fact that Jesus took the punishment of each sinner, it can stop you in your tracks. What kind of love is it that he calls each of his children to? That reality Pastor David teaches today should motivate you deep in your soul to seek to live a life worthy of this great love, to stay away from the sin that once held you captive, and instead walk in the freedom and grace of God who lavishes you with love. Now here's Pastor David in the book of 1 John chapter 3 as he continues his message, The Greatness of His Love. He remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. Why? Because he's put his Holy Spirit in us. And that Holy Spirit, again, has that down payment, has that security. No, I've, I've bought you. Here's the down payment. I've bought you. The completeness of this purchase isn't going to be made until that day. But you understand you are already bought with the promise. He says, we might be faithless, but he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. He also wants us to know the fact that God, our God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will never leave or forsake us. That's why the writer of Hebrews, he says, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, at that point, because he says he's never gonna leave me, he's, he's never gonna forsake me. The writer of Hebrews declares, we can then boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. You see, we can walk in great boldness in the midst of even this culture that is becoming more and more anti-Christ. We can say because we know he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Thirdly, I believe that John wants us to know, we need to know that the fact that we are in him, in Jesus, and that Jesus is in the Father, 
and that no one can pluck us out of the Father's hand. John tells it in the gospel according to John chapter 10, Jesus' own words. Jesus declared, I have given them eternal life. They shall never perish. We'll, We'll perish, this flesh will die. But he's speaking eternal life. I have given them eternal life. They shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me He's greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand, and I and my Father are one. And on and on, guys, throughout the word of God, we look and we see the greatness of the faithfulness and the long-suffering of our dad, of our father. Yeah, please understand, we are never ever, ever, to take sin lightly. Even the smallest of sin, because I know the smallest of sin opens the door to the next one, which opens the door to the next one. I've had a discussion of late, and this is true confession tonight, right here, about my driving. I'm not saying I'm healed completely, okay? But I've been convicted by the fact that It just feels like I ought to be able to go 45 in this 35 zone. It just feels like, yeah, 50 works good if it's a 40. It just feels that way. But you know what? There's a law that says the speed limit, the maximum speed limit is here. Why do I feel that it's okay to break it there and think that it's not going to affect me in other areas. Okay, that's my conviction. I don't know if I laid some of that on you, but uh, if so, maybe that'll ease my heart a little. So John's going to talk a little bit more about this whole thing, man, about not taking sin lightly, the, the importance and the seriousness of sin. But right now, right now, he's wanting to give assurance to those that have, they're subject to the attack, to the deceitfulness of these false teachers. He wants the church to know the faithfulness of God over, even over and above, our own sin. The church had heard these things. They had trusted in these truths. And yet these false teachers, these antichrists were coming in and they were trying to undermine the truths that the church had received, declaring again, they were declaring that the real truth was a lie and trying to bring in another gospel, which was actually no gospel at all. That was the battle of that day. It's the battle even of today. And remember, church, the assurance that you and I have as believers, understand this, the assurance that you and I have as believers is not in our ability to hold on to Christ. It is based solely upon the promise of the Father that we are his. That's the same assurance given by the psalmist who shared in Psalm 103. And I want you to keep your place in John. We may get back there. But turn to Psalm 103. Psalm 103 and and down to verse 10. What an awesome declaration this is from the psalmist. In Psalm 103, beginning in verse 10. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. 
For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father, catch this, as a father pities his children, with the understanding, with the context, he pities the children when they mess up, when they try to do something and they mess it up. The father pities them. So the father pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Guys, what a, what a praise that is. That the greatness of who our God is, the greatness of his love, the greatness of his long-suffering, the greatness of that that pity, that care, that concern. And he even knows that we're simply dust or clay. And yet he loves us. Let me ask you tonight, have you had a hard week? Has the enemy of your soul pounced on you as he tried to wound your heart? Does your own personal guilt overwhelm you? I want to tell you in accordance with God's word, Old Testament as well as New Testament. Sometimes people say, well, the Old Testament God, he was a God of vengeance and judgment, man. I I want that New Testament God. No, the God of the Old Testament was long-suffering and patient and loving. He's the same God. And we need to remember that, again, the Father's love in the midst of all of our failures continues to march forward. And he wants us as his children, to continue to march forward to victory. His victory in you. That's why John, back in 1 John, tells us in verse 28, and now little children. Don't you love that, that attitude? Here's this old pastor. He's probably, you know, like pushing his 90s at this point in time. And now little children. Abide in him. In other words, live your life in him. Remain in him. Be at home in him. That when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. I don't know about you, but there's been some times in my life that should the Lord have come at that point in time, I'd have been wholly and completely ashamed. Ashamed not only for my actions, but because I was a believer, that I was taking the precious blood of Christ and the very presence of the Holy Spirit into places and in directions that I would be wholly and completely ashamed of. Verse 29, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness, is born of him. Again, that whole idea of abide, it's so powerful. John uses that Greek word, meno, actually 28 times in the book of 1 John. And he actually uses it 11 different times just between verses 6 and 28 alone. 
And sometimes it's translated as remaining. Sometimes it's translated as continuing, but that abiding in him. We even see the concept with actually within the passages of the first chapter here of first john when he starts dealing with that idea of koinonia that's being in relationship with in fellowship with that's all that same idea being at home with the fellowship of the believers with god the father and jesus christ the son as well as brothers and sisters in the faith being in fellowship together with there is this connectedness that prevails throughout john's teaching guys that we cannot miss it speaks of that connectedness, that unifying, that bond that is the church. That is the church, the body of Christ. That's why we encourage each other. That's why we stand beside each other. That's why we try to, again, we see a brother who's stumbling or failing. We don't kick him to the curb. We don't shoot our wounded, although the testimony too often of the church is you get somebody, well, get out of here. I don't want you to stain me. Well, the fact is, is I'm already stained, okay? Let's just face it. We're already stained. So who are we trying to kid? That's why that connectedness is there the bond of individual members of the church in that, again, that uh, vertical koinonia is our fellowship with Christ, our abiding in him, that mino, that living life, that remaining in him, that being at home with him. But don't forget, we have to have also that horizontal koinonia. We have to have each other. We need to, again, demonstrate the reality of our vertical relationship by our horizontal relationship. And guys, if we don't have that horizontal relationship, guess what? That vertical one's askew. It's messed up. Not to gain, not to earn relationship, but because we already have it. Everyone who's practicing righteousness is born of him. I've already been born of him. That's why I'm walking in righteousness. Why do we choose to be holy in order to gain? No, because we're already his and our father is holy. And he says, man, here is the way. Walk you in it. It's because these things are true, because these things are verifiable in our lives that we can now have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. What a great assurance is ours when we understand that the outcome of these spiritual tests in our life and our walk in Christ, again, they're all there to give us that assurance of faith. That's when we're able to have full assurance. That's when we're able to have the confidence at his coming. Not that we're perfect, but Lord, I know that I'm yours. And I know the greatness of your love for me. That's why we can stand before him and not be ashamed, knowing that our perfection is in Christ. And because our perfection is in Christ, we continue to live our lives with that focused desire of pleasing him in every aspect of our lives. If I didn't love my wife, I wouldn't care about pleasing her. Unless I'll please her to get something out of her. You see, all too often there are people living their lives. Oh, I want to be good because I want to get something good out of it. No, the reality of Christianity is this. We've already gotten the good. We've, we've already gotten the love of God. Therefore, now we live our life pleasing to him.
Some religions have rules, regulations, requirements. They're set by man in order that you can, in their words, in order that you can gain or earn God's favor. As a matter of fact, the very concept of what religion is, it can be defined as the efforts of man to reach God. That's the difference of Christianity over all other religions. You can search all other religions. Christianity says no. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The love of God was demonstrated for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. With religion, there's very seldom, if ever, the opportunity to have that comforting assurance that God is pleased with us. Because we're always striving. How much is enough? How much is enough? And so the adherence to religion They work in stress at at the very best. But also they they do these good deeds. They knock on the doors. They do all these good deeds of all sorts of kinds. Sometimes at very reality of fear that if I don't do these things, oh, and if I stop, I could be doing them, doing them, doing them. And if I ever stop, and boom, it's all over. They do it either out of stress or out of fear because they fear that they will never measure up, that they'll never know the fullness of God's love. And beloved, the stress comes because they also know that in reality, they could never be good enough. Let me read you a quote from Philip Yancey. Jesus forgave a thief dangling on a cross knowing full well the thief had converted out of plain fear. That thief would never study the Bible. He would never attend the synagogue or a church. He'd never make amends to those he had wronged. He simply said, Jesus, remember me. And Jesus promised him, today you'll be with me in paradise. It was another shocking reminder that grace does not depend on what we have done for God, what we have done for God, but rather what God has already done for us. You look at the next verse, it's just the beginning of chapter three and we'll end with this. To me, it ties into what we've been reading. He says, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God? What kind of a love is that? That we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. In other words, we're still struggling. We're still stumbling. We're still confined by the temporaries and by the mortals and by the carnage of this flesh. It hasn't yet appeared, man, what we're going to be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he himself is pure. Do you have that hope in you? If we have that hope in us, that ought to be an urging enough by that wooing of the Spirit 
by that whispering of the Spirit, by the love, the presence, and the power of Christ in us to actively curb our appetite for the things of this world. Choosing to walk away from the world according to his desires, living our lives according to his desires and his plans. That ought to be enough to agree with Job to set those binders to our eyes, binders to all things, all of those areas that are contrary to the will and to the plan of God in our lives. That kind of an understanding, that kind of reality of the greatness of his love for us ought to be enough for us to continually recognize and affirm that everything that we have and all that we could ever have, all that we could ever be is from that love of the Father in heaven. And we need to trust him fully even as we recognize that, yeah, he can give, he can take it away because there's no room for pride in the believer's life. It is all of him and by him and for him. The beginning of Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all our iniquities, who heals all our diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Guys, this isn't just poetry. This is the reality of the greatness of the love of our God. The Lord who executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious. He is slow to anger and he abounds in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower in the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over and it's gone. And its place remembers it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to children's children. Grandparents, great promise there to such as keep his commandment, to those who remember his commandments to do them. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you ministers of his who do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. 
Thanks for joining Pastor David today to study the letters of the Apostle John here on The Open Word. Though our program will come to an end today, your time in God's Word can continue uninterrupted. In fact, we encourage you to study today's passage on your own and ask the Holy Spirit to speak through what you read. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor David, you can find them at theopenword.com. We'd love to meet you too. If you're in the Casa Grande area, please join us Saturday, Sunday, or Wednesday for our weekly gatherings at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. You'll find service times and directions by clicking the church link at theopenword.com. Before our time is up with you today, we'd like to turn it back over to Pastor David for a quick request for you, our listener. Thanks, Chris. You know, as this ministry continues to grow and reach further into the community with the message of the gospel, I know the enemy wants to stop it. I also know that prayer is a big part of holding him back. Would you take time to pray for us every time you tune in to The Open Word? Pray too for our listeners, your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, and those who may have yet to place their faith in Jesus. This last category especially need prayer. It could be that the next message you hear may be the first time they're learning about the hope that's only found in Jesus. Please pray that their hearts will be open and that they'd make a decision to follow Jesus forever. Thank you for praying and thank you for being a listener to The Open Word. Make us more.